Hey everyone, welcome to Grace Community Church of Willow Street's podcast. If you have any questions or want to learn how you can be more engaged with our church, check us out online at gccws.net, or you can connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, or YouTube. Thanks for listening and enjoy today's message. We are praying that it leads you into a growing relationship with Jesus. I invite you to bow your heads and join me in a time of prayer. Heavenly Father, we come to you today in that powerful, wonderful name of Jesus, that name at which every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that he is Lord. And Father, we are thankful that we've already made you Lord and Savior of our lives, and it is in gratitude and praise that we've gathered here this morning to glorify and magnify your matchless name. And while we rejoice in the knowledge of our salvation, we know, Father, there are millions who do not know Jesus and do not worship his name. And so, Lord, empower us to be numbered among those that are truly seeking the lost of this world and pointing them to Jesus Christ. That's been our mission from day one of the founding of Grace Community. And it continues to be our mandate and our mission today as well. We thank you, Lord, that you have been drawing many in our community to yourself and to fellowship with other believers here at Grace Community. And as a result of those blessings upon our ministry, we've, we've seen the church continue to grow and we've, we've sensed the need to enlarge our facilities to better serve those people you've entrusted into our care. So, Lord, this morning we give thanks for this new worship facility that we were able to occupy today. While we were disappointed that we were unable to meet last Sunday due to the inclement weather, we praise you for the good weather this morning, and we're grateful that we can gather together here. And yet, Lord, we acknowledge that the church is not a building. We are a people. And yet we know the importance of having a place for corporate worship, where people can come together and pray and worship and honor you. And Father, we pray that in the days ahead, while we rejoice in the functional and spacious new facility we have here, that we would never allow outward structure to be more important than inner spiritual growth and relationships. Help us, Lord, to stay focused on building your church by bringing men and women and young people and children into a dynamic relationship with Jesus Christ. And as we are faithful in proclaiming, and as claiming the unsearchable riches of Jesus and the gospel, we pray that many might be brought to salvation in Christ. And now we ask that you would open our hearts to hear the proclamation of your holy word through your servant, our pastor, Mike. Touch our lives with the power and the, the practicality. One day Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John taught his disciples. Jesus said to them, 
when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us. And lead us not into temptation. Thank you, Pastor Will. Before you leave here, just in case you missed the, the slide that identified who this man is and you're new to Grace Community Church, this is Pastor Will Martin, the founding pastor of Grace Community Church. He has been here since the beginning and before that when we envisioned this congregation. And we just want to thank you, Will, for your leadership. You laid a foundation in the Word of God. You understood that Jesus Christ is the only cornerstone Amen. for the church. In 1994, when this church was envisioned, it could have gone to West Lampeter Township or one of the Hemfields, east mm -hmm. or west. And uh, the Lord led here, and in 1995, the very first service, August the 13th, mm -hmm. up here at the corner at uh, Beaver Valley Pike and, and also Peach Bottom Road. And people had to carry their own chairs in, mm -hmm. bring blankets in for the kids. That was what Sunday school was on the, on the cement floor up yeah. there. And uh, the Lord has just continued to lead right along the way. We want to thank Pastor Will Martin and his wife Barbie today for their leadership as our founding pastor and couple in this congregation. Join me. All praise to the Lord. Amen. Yeah. Little known fact, uh, although if you tuned in last week, you heard this, that when this first building was, was uh, dedicated in 2000, when you occupied it in 2006, the very first Sunday had to be canceled because of eight inches of snow. So I don't like that pattern, but we followed it. And, uh, and I tried to get you to make that call, but no, 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 you were retired, so I had to make the call. But, and... Uh, Mike texted me uh, Sunday morning, and he said, well, we're, we're, we've made the decision. We're going to cancel. And I responded back. I said, uh, I, I know exactly how you feel. It's a painful decision to make, but I think you're making the right call. So uh, Yeah, I actually start off that text by saying, I made the decision for you, Will. I got up at 4.30 in the morning. Later that morning, I actually turned to Jenny, and I said, I'm going to get ice from our refrigerator and throw it on the sidewalk to make me feel better about this call of ice. You were probably right. The 11 o'clock we might have been able to have by then. Yeah. Had, uh, but but here we are. Yeah, here, here we, we are. are. And praise God we're here today. Praise yes. the Lord. Thank you, Blessings. brother. Thank you. There is a well-traveled story about a pastor who parked his car in a no-parking zone in a big city because he was short on time as he was headed to an appointment and there was no space with a meter. So he put a note under the windshield wiper that read as follows. I've circled the block 10 times. If I don't park here, I'll miss my appointment. Forgive us our trespasses. When he returned, he found a citation from the police along with a personal note. I've circled this block for 10 years. If I don't give you a ticket, I'm going to lose my job. Lead us not into temptation. <laughs> this weekend, we launch a 14-sermon series entitled The Unfiltered Jesus. It is a focus on the hard sayings of Jesus Christ. The hard sayings of Jesus fall into one of two categories. The one category is simply hard to understand. Everybody here has had this experience, haven't you? You read the word of God, and frankly, you sit back in your chair and say, what in the world is Jesus talking about? What does he mean by what I just read? Hard to understand. 
But there is a second category of the hard sayings of Jesus, and that second category is the hard to take sayings of Jesus. Oh, you understand them all too well. In fact, you're sort of like Mark Twain that said, it's not the passages in the Bible that I don't understand that worry me, it's the passages that I do understand. You understand all too well. But frankly, they're hard to take. Is this really true? Next week, Matthew chapter six, if you don't forgive others, then you will not be forgiven. Try as you might, trying to find all the caveats and the loopholes in that verse, it's like, really? Is that what you really mean, Jesus? And so here we are, 14 weeks in the Gospels, unpacking the hard sayings, hard to understand, hard to take truth of Jesus Christ. Today, we begin with one of those hard to understand sayings of Jesus. For example, why would Jesus tell us that we must ask our heavenly Father to not lead us into temptation? That's what he says. When you pray, pray this way. Lord, don't lead me into temptation so that I'll sin, so that I'll do what's evil. I mean, honestly, think about that. It doesn't even match the character of God. Every other request in the Lord's Prayer matches God's character as we know him. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's, that makes sense. May your kingdom come. We want a day when everybody will bend the knee and cry out to Jesus as Lord and King. Give us this day our daily bread. Yeah, we make that makes sense. Jesus, give us the basic necessities of life. Forgive us our sins. He's the forgiver, just as we forgive the sins of others. But lead us not into temptation. Lead us not into temptation is a request that's addressed to God in prayer. And it seems to imply, it seems to say that God is a tempter and we need to plead with him to not tempt us. But I wanna tell you something this morning. God is not a tempter. Look at James chapter one, verses 13 and 14. The word of God says, when tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone, but each one is tempted when by his own evil desire he is dragged away and enticed. Now listen, if that's true, and we know it is, then what in the world does lead us not into temptation mean? Well, understand this. When Jesus taught that, he was teaching prayer, and he was incorporating into that prayer a figure of speech. And that figure of speech, lead us not into temptation, literally means, God, would you please keep me away from temptation? Would you please keep me away from temptation? This is a prayer request asking God to keep us away from temptation and to protect us from the real tempter who is not God, but who is the devil. The concept is that the devil has set a trap for every one of us, and he has. And listen, he wants to ambush you, and he wants to cause you to be tempted so that you then sin and disobey God. Now Matthew records for us the Lord's Prayer as well. But when he records the Lord's Prayer, he adds a second line that he heard Jesus say. 
And in Matthew chapter 6, 13, Matthew records Jesus as saying that when we pray, we should pray this way, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Say that with me. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. One more time. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Deliver us from the devil and protect us from his temptations. When we pray that, we are asking God to help us stand firm against the attacks of the devil. And if we do fall into temptation, would you please deliver us and rescue us from the results of that temptation? So, the very first hard saying of Jesus really isn't that hard at all. And if we were so inclined, we could close our Bibles and say, great sermon, and at 11.34 on a Sunday morning, walk out the door saying, Pastor Mike is actually done at this hour. But you know what? We are not so inclined, nor am I, because there is a whole lot more to this truth that meets the eye. Isn't it interesting? Do you ever think about this? That a centerpiece of the Lord's Prayer is the topic of temptation. You realize that temptation is serious business and that God takes temptation seriously. This morning, I want us to put a bright spotlight on the subject of temptation. And I want us to learn this morning what it is, where it comes from, how we can resist it, and how we can flee from it, because here's what I believe to be true, and check me on this. I believe that our God wants us to live in the victory of Jesus Christ, amen? He does not want us to live defeated lives. He does not want us to live lives whereby we are dragged into sin and we are constantly doing battle against the tempter. He wants us to live in victory. So the question this morning is, what does God teach us in his word about temptation? The very first thing that he teaches us is that temptation will lead you down a path that you don't want to go. Temptation will lead you down a path that you don't want to go. Have you ever noticed what we too often do with temptation? We like to play with it when it comes. We like to flirt with it. There are times, friends, believe it or not, think about this, where we actually invite temptation into our lives, where we put ourselves in positions and places and with people that we know full well are not the places, the positions, or the people that we should be with. And yet we go there, knowing that most likely what's gonna happen is there will be a temptation and we will give in to it. While walking down the boardwalk one summer in Ocean City, I saw a t-shirt that read, lead me not into temptation, I can find it myself. And that's the truth, isn't it? That is the absolute truth. In James chapter one, verses 13 and 14, written by inspiration of the Holy Spirit by the half-brother of Jesus, there is this description of the path which temptation leads us on. And hear me when I say this. It is a steep and dangerous path. James chapter one, listen again, verses 13 through 14. 
When tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when, by his own evil desire, he is dragged away and enticed. Then, after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. Notice where temptation begins. It starts with our own evil desires. If you're taking notes, make sure you mark this down. Every one of us here have weak areas in our lives. Every one of us have buttons that if you push the button in just the right way or at just the right time, we will go off. Every one of us have triggers in our lives and they are loose. Just a little bit of pressure and we will give in. Now I wanna say this to you. There is only one who has all power and all knowledge and he is our God. He is omniscient, he knows everything. He is omnipotent, he has all power. But do not for a moment think that the devil doesn't have some knowledge and some power. Though it is limited, he will use it and he will come against us with it. Let me tell you what he knows. He knows where you're weak. He knows what your buttons are. He knows where the loose triggers are in your life. He knows them for me too. Listen, he knows where you left the door open just to crack. You know, all you need to do is leave it open just an inch, just an inch, so that when the devil comes knocking and you open that door and you invite into your life temptation, watch out. Think about it in terms of fishing. That fish sees the bait grabs a hold of the bait, but you know what's behind that bait? A hook. And man, you know what happens? That fisherman reels that fish in, dragging it out of the water to himself. That's what the devil does. He puts out bait that lines up with your desires, your evil desires. He, he customizes the bait, puts it on a hook, dangles it out there. And, and, and you know what we do? We take the bait. We fall for the temptation. And when we do, he reels us in. Now this is the word of God. This is what James says. He drags us in. And you know what happens? Temptation gives birth to sin. Sadly, the cycle repeats itself and our sin grows out of control, and eventually, now listen, eventually our desires lead to temptation, lead to sin, and it grows out of control, and we experience death. The death of our reputation. The death of our integrity. The death of our relationship maybe with a wife or a husband. The death of the respect 
held by our children for us. The death of a business that we invested in. But because of our evil desires for more and more and more and more, that business is now gone. The death of financial stability. The death of a vital relationship with Jesus where once we love spending time with him, we've gotten a little too used to giving in to the devil and his temptations. It can even lead to physical death. When preaching from Ephesians chapter four on January 2nd, Pastor Paul, in what was an outstanding sermon to begin this year, gave us the definition for a deceitful desire. And man, as I was listening to him preach, I thought, that's so good, and I was writing as fast as I could. You know what a deceitful desire is? It's the desire that comes to you and says, hey, come here, and I'll satisfy your needs. And so we get there. And the desire says, oh, you know what? Why don't you come back tomorrow? I'll give you a little more, satisfy you more. And so we go back the next day, and you know what? The desire says, why don't you come back tomorrow, and, and I'll give you a little more. A deceitful desire is one that invites us to come and come again and come again and come again. You know what the cycle is? Desire, temptation, sin. Desire, Temptation, sin. Desire, temptation, sin. Desire, temptation, sin. Say it with me. Desire, temptation, sin. Desire, temptation, sin. And then death. Temptation leads you down a path you don't want to go. But you know what? You know what? It doesn't have to be that way. It doesn't have to be that way. You don't have to give in to temptation. I love the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10, the apostle Paul warns us not to be deceived by our evil desires and not to give in to temptation. And he uses as an example in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verses one through 10, the nation of Israel. And he reminds us how they gave in to their evil desires. And he reminds us where it led them, that their desire led them to temptation and it led them to the sins of, man, idolatry and then immorality and the sin of testing God and the sin of grumbling and complaining against each other and their leaders and their God. And then Paul says, it doesn't have to be this way. Don't be like Israel. And this is what he says in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 11 through 13. These things happened to them, Israel, as examples and were written down as warnings for us on whom the fulfillment of the ages has come. So if you think you're standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. 
Now, uh, read that with me. Let's go back to that slide. I want you to read that out loud with me. So if you think you're standing firm, I guess we can't go back. So if you think, there we go. So if you think we're standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. Say it with me. So if you think you're standing firm, be careful you don't fall. No temptation has seized you except what is common to man. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. And when you are tempted, now listen, he will provide a way out so that you can stand up under it. Hear me when I say this today. The good news is you don't have to give in to temptation. You don't have to. Listen, if you've been listening to me preach any length of time, you have heard me say countless times, don't you ever, don't you ever, don't you ever, ever, ever say, the devil made me. You sound like a wimp when you say that. The devil doesn't make anybody do anything. We do it. We make the choice. You don't have to give in to temptation. Listen to what the Word of God teaches in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 11 through 13. The very first thing is, and I had to repeat it several times, don't be proud of how good you are. Man, don't be proud of how good you are. If you think you're standing firm, be careful you don't fall. I'm not going to talk about you. I can't. I want to talk about me. Because here's the deal, I'm saved, and you're saved. Well, praise the Lord for that. I'm glad we have a pastor who's saved. I know Jesus. I love him. I'm growing in my faith. I read the word. I pray. But my heart still has sin and wickedness in it. And yours does too. There are closets in my heart I'd like to keep locked. You do too. Sometimes the lock comes loose and it flies open and I say something and my wife will say, where did that come from? And I'll say, apparently from my heart. And just when I thought I had forgiven someone, there is a bitterness that flies out because it's there. Here is what God says to us in 1 Corinthians 10. Don't be so proud when others sin. I don't know if you've ever done this. I have. Now, I was raised right in New Danville where I was taught that you just don't say certain things out loud. You keep them inside. Because if you keep them inside, nobody knows except the one who knows better than anybody else. So somebody sins, and I say to myself, <laughs> I would never. I can't believe that she. Don't they have the sense that they were born with? And boldly, actually, look at Jenny once in a while and say, well, I would never do that, and like, oh my goodness, How proud can we be? Because the moment you say, 
I would never. You have just put yourself in a position with a target that says, come after me, devil, because I'm so proud of my righteousness. What does Solomon say in Proverbs? Pride goes before a promotion to something better because you're so good. Is that what he says? Pride goes before. The word of God says, if you think you're standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. But here's the good news. Here's the good news. God says, I'm faithful. You know what? I know your limits. I know your inner strengths and I know your inner weaknesses. Dave, I know you from the inside out. Earl, I know you from the inside out. Joanne, I know you from the inside out. Denise, I know you from the inside out. I know your limits. I know your strengths. I know your weaknesses. You will never be tempted beyond what you can bear. That is like great news. That means that we will never face a temptation in life that literally will overcome us and overpower us and drag us down. If we are trusting the one, now hear me, who is able to deliver us and rescue us and show us the way out. God says, I am a faithful God. You will never be tempted beyond what you can bear, Rich, never. And listen, when you are tempted, man, when that temptation comes, Steve, I will provide a way out for you. Recently, I've been watching a lot of World War I movies, and I'm choosing the movies that are actually uh, movies of actual events that happened in World War I. The reason I'm doing this is because in 1918, eight days before the war ended, my great uncle, William Wade from Conestoga, died on the front lines fighting that war. And I inherited all of that correspondence and all of his personal effects and the flag that was draped over his casket and the, the, the gold star that hung in his mother's home and, and the ribbons from the flowers and everything that was related to Willie's death over 100 years ago. And I just started to think about that and wonder what that war was like and what he was facing on the front lines in France. And as I'm watching these movies, there's something really interesting that's taking place like in the Lost Battalion, that, that at the very last moment, when you think there's nothing else we can do and we can't stand it any longer, there's a way out. It's either a commander with a battalion coming in saying, follow us, we're the way out. We plowed through the German lines, we're the way out. Or suddenly God just opens the eyes of a commander in the, in the allied forces and, and there's this, this pass through the forest or through the mountains and it's a sliver of, of, of geography, but it's the way out. It's the way of rescue. You know what's interesting about 1 Corinthians chapter 10? The word that God uses in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13, where he says that God will show us a way out, it's a military word. 
that describes what happens when a commander comes in with a battalion and says, follow us, we'll show you the way out. It's a military word that describes that pass in the mountains that the commander suddenly sees and says, that's our rescue, let's go out that way. Here's the good news today. We will be tempted, but when we are tempted, if we will not be proud, God will be faithful, and he will not allow us to be tempted beyond what we can bear. He will provide a way out. That is the victory of our God, and that victory has a name, and his name is? Amen. His name is Jesus. Remember this, 1 John chapter 4, verse 4. The one who is in you is greater than, than the one who is in the world. Can you say in this sanctuary a loud and resounding amen? amen? Because it is true. How does our faithful God keep us from temptation but deliver us from evil? The last point is simply this. He expects us to do our part. He expects us to watch and pray. There's a story that everyone here who's been to church or Sunday school at least a little bit knows. It's the story that on the night before Jesus died on the cross, he shared a last supper with his 12 disciples. You know that one of them betrayed him and he left that meal early. But when the meal came to a close, the Bible says that they sang a hymn and they went out into the darkness Jesus led his remaining 11 disciples across the valley and into the Mount of Olives. When they get into the Mount of Olives, they went into a garden called Gethsemane. You remember this story? You remember how when Jesus walked into the garden of Gethsemane, he turned to his disciples and he said, sit here. And Luke tells us, he said, and pray that you won't fall into temptation. Now get that. He says in the word of God that he took three of them, Peter, James, and John, and he said, now you follow me. And they went a little further into the garden. And he said, now you sit here. And the word of God tells us that he fell to his knees, Jesus did. And in prayer that we've never experienced personally in our lives, so intense it was that he sweat drops of blood. He cried out to his Father in heaven, and he said, if it be your will, may this cup of suffering pass from me. But I'd rather have your will be done than mine. Word of God says he got up from his place of prayer, went out to his disciples, and what were they doing? Fast asleep. Can you not just watch? Matthew 26, verse 41 Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. Say it with me. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Watch. Be alert. This is not just for the remaining 11 disciples. It's for all of us. To the extent that you're able, stay away from the sources of temptation and by all means, do not deliberately walk into places of temptation. I'll tell you what, in my ministry of 30 some years, one of the 
hardest bits of counsel that I've given, especially to younger adults, is when I looked in the eye and said, you need a new set of friends. Whoa, no, no way. Yeah, you do. Let me tell you what. You stick with that crowd and you're headed in the wrong direction, down the wrong path, and there's nothing but deadly consequences. You need a whole new set of friends. And sometimes we do. Sometimes the source of temptation is in this new set of friends. And here's what Christians will say to me. Oh, but I'm there to be a witness. Well, how's that working out for you so far? Not very well. Listen, if you are not strong enough to resist the devil and flee from him in that set of friends, God is faithful. He'll bring a witness to them who is able to do that. You can't right now, so you need a new set of friends. And if it's not a new set of friends, it might be something else. Because part of resisting temptation is to watch for it and avoid it at all costs. But listen, you might fall into it. And if you fall into it, Please, friends, don't stay in that muck and mire of sin that the temptation is drawing you into. And oh, my goodness, look what I did. And, and God will never be happy with me again. And, and my wife, my husband, my pastor is terrible. I'm embarrassed. Listen, get over that quick and just cry out and confess where you are. I have sinned. I have given into temptation. The devil came knocking. I opened the door. I shouldn't have opened the door. This is where I'm at. Jesus, forgive me. You know what he will do? He will forgive you. Jesus, would you pull me out of this, this hole I got myself? And you know what Jesus will do? He'll throw you a line. Grab it. I'll pull you out. This is what you do. You watch and then you pray. You know, I have read this passage over the years, and I've often wondered. When Jesus said to the disciples in the Garden of Gethsemane, now listen, sit there and pray you won't fall into temptation. I've often wondered if any of the 11 of them, especially Peter, immediately remembered the Lord's Prayer. Oh yeah, that's right. We're to pray, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. I wonder if that came to their mind. We need to pray about temptation. Write this down. The best time to pray about temptation is before it comes. Hear me when I say this. You're sharp people. You know yourself. You know where your weaknesses are. You know where the buttons are in your life. You know where the triggers are in your life. Don't wait for the devil to push the button and pull the trigger and capitalize on the weakness. If you know it, pray about it now before he comes calling. If you know that you're vulnerable in certain areas, make it part of your daily prayer life. Here's how I pray, Lord, would you put a hedge of protection around me? Jesus, would you bind away the evil one and just protect me so that he doesn't tempt me and get after me? Let me tell you something about a sermon like this. 
I will have an awful Sunday afternoon and an awful Monday if you don't join me in praying for God's hedge of protection around me. I'll tell you why. Because this sermon is designed to tear away the veil that keeps us from seeing the devil's will and ways and weapons. It's designed to say to you, run from him. Resist him. Now, Jesus is thrilled. This is what he wants you to hear. But the devil is angry. And if you have ever been a pastor or a preacher, you know that some of the worst days of the week come right after you have preached the word of God. Because the devil will get after a preacher and he'll whisper, oh, Mike, you remember when you said that word wrong or you, 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 you did, did what you're just doing now when you did that? what he does and, and back in the day when I when I first started in ministry you know I'd, I'd come home and I'd like oh my word this was terrible and I didn't preach well and so and Jenny would say you're spiraling Mike you're spiraling I didn't know what spiraling was it was a New Jersey word she had I don't know I was what what spiraling I had a spiral graph that's the only thing I knew about spiral spiraling I know what it is Pray now. One more thing. But if you fall, it's not over. Pray. Ask Jesus to forgive you. Ask him to pull you up out of the pit, put your feet on the rock again, and get moving in the power that he will give you. Do not believe the lie of the devil who tells you that you are a loser because you have fallen for temptation and sinned. We are humans. It will happen. But we have a Savior, amen, who delights in hearing our prayers and delivering us. Here's what I know. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 18. Because he, Jesus himself, suffered when he was tempted. He is able to help those who are being tempted. He can help you. And so my question today as I close is simply this. Is this where you are right now? Is the devil coming after you hot and heavy with temptation? And listen, I asked that question last night. I'm thinking, oh, yeah. And I got this flood of response online from people saying, thanks for that sermon, this is where I'm at, this is what's happening. Listen, if this is where you are right now, watch and pray. Cry out to Jesus. He is the deliverer. He will put a hedge around you, he will rescue you. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Let's pray right now. Gracious Father, how I thank you and praise you. You're an amazing God, and there is none who is like you. And your word, oh man, God, your word is powerful. It is inspired by you through your Holy Spirit, and it is fully trustworthy. And 
It's without error, and it's the authority. But what I've learned, Lord, is that just as you teach us, your word is also intended to train us in righteousness. So my prayer is that this message today would be used by you and tailored by you in the hearts and lives of every person here to train each of us to live righteous lives, to resist the devil and flee from him and his temptations, and if and when we do fall, to confess our sin and know that you'll be faithful and just to forgive us and to pull us out of that, that hole, put our feet on the rock. So Lord, my prayer today, very specifically, is that you would do a work of victory in the lives of those who are currently under the intense pressure of temptation and that you would turn them away from the tempter and temptation and turn them back to you. Give them your power, I pray, in the name of Jesus Christ, who alone holds us fast. Amen. Well, thanks for listening to today's message and choosing to spend some time with us. To get more information about Grace Community Church, our service times and location, check out our website at gccws.net.